0: Hello. In this episode, Frances Cosway of White Pebble Interiors is back, and she and I are talking about bathrooms. So, what we discuss in this episode is actually going to help you not only in your bathroom, but in other wet areas of your home as well. So, your laundry, your mudroom, your powder room, and your ensuite. So, let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet, it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews In both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation, new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colours, materials and items that you'll be living with with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101 then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers the numerals 101 so interiordesign101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Now let's kick off our episode in my experience, bathrooms will often follow kitchens as an area where you know a huge amount of deliberation can happen as homeowners work through their interior design selections. Many homes these days, of course, will have more than one bathroom as well. Long gone are the days where we just have one bathroom. If you're living in an old home that you can't wait to renovate, chances are it's because you want to have more than one bathroom. And uh, sometimes you may end up with an ensuite, a separate toilet or a powder room. And so you can be juggling the selection for not just one bathroom but actually several and a lot of homeowners then worry do all of those bathrooms and wet areas need to match can they be different you know and how what you select in one then relates to the other areas such as your laundry or any other wet area that you might be having in your home. So in this episode, Francis and I talk through the various selections that you'll need to make for your bathroom and what to know so that you're choosing things that are durable, that are easy to clean and that will function really well as well. So we dive into detail about shower screens, about freestanding versus built-in baths and about selecting all the fixtures so that they're timeless and well-coordinated coordinated. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Let's listen now. Hey Frances, so we're here to talk all about bathrooms which is another big topic. We're going to try and get through it as efficiently as we can because I think there's a lot of crossover with some of the things that we've already discussed in terms of kitchens and we talked about a little bit about tiling. So In terms of looking at bathrooms in general, you know, there's a lot of things that do, I suppose, cross-pollinate with the kitchen in terms of joinery and uh, it might be particular sort of style or design or those types of things. Do you actually find that you're often thinking of your interior design choices of your, for the bathrooms in sort of cahoots with the kitchen itself and thinking about those two things in combo with each other as you go about creating the interior design for a home?
1: I think it's more it's not just the bathrooms at the and the kitchens. I suppose the short answer is yes, but it's not not really about are they going to be matchy matchy. In fact, I steer away from that completely. It's more around um what's the feeling that we're evoking and are the themes um, similar and is there cohesiveness within the home, and that might be just down to whether we 're using a warm or a cool color palette that there is some sort of cohesiveness so I def- definitely tend to steer away from having uh, the same splashback in the kitchen and the bathroom in fact I in my mind that 's a complete no, no, they should be really separate spaces. And I also think for your own ensuite, it's a really great opportunity for you to inject something really different in there and maybe use creative license and say, I'm going to make this completely different to the rest of um, the house and also uh, the rest of the other bathrooms. Some people do like all their bathrooms to be the same, um, but I would say that there's you need the cohesiveness across all the bathrooms with some sort of material element matching Uh, and then you can have a bit more creative license with some of the other elements. So as a whole, yes, cohesiveness, not just with the kitchen and the bathroom, but the whole home tying together, but certainly not in a matchy-matchy way.
0: Yeah, it's often really lovely to see if there's a particular... Kind of idea or theme, as you say, just a thread that really connects all of the interior design choices together. You know, often people make that, you know, um, mistake of not putting all of their color palette choices together on sort of one panel like you, you know, you know, an interior designer would with looking at the finishes selection. And so you can feel that things are a little bit jarred as you move from space to space, where it's like you say, you don't have to completely replicate all of those finishes within each space in order to get them to work together, but to have some level of connectivity helps. At home flow and feel much more connected overall, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Now let's talk about shower screens because actually what I've seen happen a lot in the last few years in particular is homeowners wanting to design out shower screens, never wanting to clean glass, basically just hating the fact that glass is this thing that constantly shows gunge and mess and it's difficult to keep clean. And so I've often come up with bathroom floor plan layouts that enable you to not like either to not uh to use other things to screen the shower um or to position the shower that it doesn't need a shower screen itself or it might just need a very small one and not a hinged one do you how do you look at shower screens Are you finding this is a request you're getting as well what do you consider when it comes to sort of using shower screens using glass ones using semi-frameless all that kind of stuff that's related to shower screens (laughs)
1: My uh, ultimate in shower screens would be just to have the pane of glass, which is basically frameless. You've got two hinges. It just looks like it's seamless. It's basically seamless because you can see through. Um, And obviously if you're taking the iron out of the glass and getting a pure glass, which is a lot more expensive, you don't get the green tinge either. But, look, that's really, in my mind, neither here nor there. Um, So I try and avoid using doors because you've got more hinges, uh, more glass to clean. Um, but also from an accessibility perspective, if you don't have the door, it's a lot easier to get in and out of that shower if you're, um, you know, in a wheelchair or something like that. So I really try and avoid doors. Um, And the other thing is if you're in small spaces where you have to have a door to meet the requirements uh, for legislation, uh, for uh, for the building regs, um, then it's better to have it frameless so that you're not having... You know, it it all framed out in plastic or chrome or or whatever it is. So that would be my choice. In regards to people not wanting... the glass at all, the shower screen at all. I have seen uh, designs where it's sort of positioned close to the bath and I suppose the bath is then in between the other parts of the the bathroom where the vanity and so forth are and it's preventing those areas from getting wet. But I couldn't think of anything worse than having the bath wet every single day because you've had a shower next to it and having to clean that out every day. And I think that would be worse of the two evils in my mind, but that's a personal preference. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the other thing is there's new products that have been released that you can coat the glass um, so it basically beads, and that's what they use on all the pool fences as well, the glass pool fences, so it effectively beads off and really it's just so incredibly easy to clean. And for those that don't have that, you just keep a squishy in the shower and you just wipe it down each day and it's really not that much of a big deal. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So, <laughs> am I in my soapbox about shower screens? No, I just think it's all you can. We had one of those IKEA squeegees that we bought to, like, you know, obviously, I can't train my kids as well as you can train yours, but <laughs> it's,
1: it's, <laughs> I, I really don't look. Try and minimize the amount of framing you've got, is my tip don't have it with a door and it just you can see through and it's just it's really not that much of a a big deal in my mind
0: yeah I actually find that when it's glass and it doesn't have any frames and it's got very few patch fittings in it it is much easier to keep clean because it's a big surface you don't have you know any sort of uh edges or things like that that stuff just sits in whereas when you still you know I've lived in lots of old homes where they've been fully framed either in a plastic or a or a brushed chrome and trying to get into all of those edges you know on a regular basis to keep them clean is um is a pain in the butt so, it is yeah and so I'd
1: always try and eradicate those any renovation we just get rid of all of those all the shower bases as well because that just more nooks and crannies to get into but a piece of glass flush up against the floor tile flush flush up against the wall tile it's 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 just so easy
0: yeah, well it's I think it's that case of people want really big showers, if you're going to have a big shower and then need to screen the entire thing, the shower screen itself is going to be an expensive item. So if you can think about if you do want frameless glass, design the bathroom layout So, that the glass that you need to screen the shower with is not this massive piece of, you know, it's not this massive element. And then you'll be able to budget to have frameless glass and not, you know, so you can have big showers with how you design the bathroom overall, have just one fixed panel of glass, not have to have a door, all that kind of stuff. But it takes, it's at the design stage that that all gets figured out. So, and it's
1: not easy to install either. Um, I know we've got one in our bathroom that's floor to ceiling uh, frameless. And just to get that, it was, really, really difficult to get in. But uh, the other thing I suggest is also with the frameless, just having that blade of glass is, I mean, the regulation is, I think it's 1.2 and that you need a minimum to meet um, that that you have to have the length of that shower screen if it doesn't have a door on it. But I would always go that little bit longer anyway, because you'll find that 1.2 is really not long enough you to stop all the splashing everywhere else even if you do have the fall it's just the splashing so i really try and do a minimum of 1.4 1.5 and that's obviously if your bathroom's wide enough or long enough that you can actually get away with that so just that that little bit of extra protection um from all the splashing is is great
0: yeah fantastic advice all right, now freestanding baths—they cool. have just been <laughs> passion. the passion. <laughs> They've been yeah. totally in vogue for the last few years, and I think it's been expedited, of course, by uh, companies being able to import, um, you know, low-cost kind of uh, moulded plastic versions of them um, that you know, aesthetically look beautiful, but what's really interesting is to watch over time how those less expensive versions actually perform and how the plastic shell starts to pull away or starts to show some fracturing and splintering and those types of things. But I find, home like every design I see, a homeowner's trying to put a freestanding bath in it and then they're trying to put um, it up against a wall and trying to um, put a freestanding tap. And I just think, again, uh, my dislike of cleaning probably shines through here, but I just think of all of the water falling down in the gap between the, the wall and the bath and just your inability to physically get in there and give it a decent wipe out and what grows in there in a humid, wet environment all the time. So how do you kind of talk homeowners into, um, I mean, I just prefer, I think, you have a bath in a hob, you've got a shelf to put your book on, you've got a shelf to put your glass of wine or a cup of tea, you've got, you know, like you've got a, somewhere that you can put bits and pieces on around the bath all the time. They're generally less cost, you know, and they look fantastic. You can choose a great tile and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's funny, the, the attachment to the freestanding bath as this luxury item seems to be um, really, really pervasive. How do you kind of broach this with clients who may not have the room and how do you kind of look and assess do they have the room to have a freestanding bath that actually works um, or am I going to have to push them into having a bath in a hob?
1: So I suppose I use my tried and tested approach of just being very upfront and honest with them and the tape measure and myself are then best friends because I can lay out for them just how big that bath's going to be and really highlight to them some of the issues. So I have definitely talked quite a few clients out of going for a freestanding bath for the pure um, functionality requirement that you really need or the space that you need to really make it work. And I've seen friends of mine put in a 15 millimetre freestanding bath and squished it into this bathroom that was just far too small and it looks ridiculous and it's funny because I was doing a decorating workshop last week around um just having um the spatial awareness around scale and what fits in a space and what doesn't and I think this is where freestanding baths are going to work because there's lots of space around it looks like an area and it looks magnificent but if you're trying to you know squish it in because you're so determined to have one it's so counterproductive and then you're going to be left with a inferior bath in terms of its usability anyway because you'll have a 1,500 bath when you could have maybe got a 1,700 in if it was in the hob. So a couple of points. Firstly, you need to have at least 20 centimetres on either side before you touch the wall and also off the wall because you do need to be able to put your hand down there. The amount of people I've seen probably like you, you've got 10 centimetres or even less. You cannot get your hand behind there to clean. So, yeah, good luck with your cockroaches and everything else that are going (laughs) to best state in there. So, Depending on where you live, of course, but cockroaches have made their way down to Melbourne now, even though we never had them before. So that is my rule of thumb. At least 20 centimetres, either side, you need to be able to get around. The other thing that I don't think people are aware of is just how much more expensive they are going to be. And yes, it might be super cost effective to get these cheap plastic and acrylic ones. Um, you know, once you start looking at solid acrylic surface or stone or anything like that, we are talking you know, several thousand dollars, Uh, plus you need the foundation to be able to hold a stone sort of bath anyway. Um, But then the freestanding tap, you're looking at a couple of grand just for the tap. And I've seen a lot of people change that over too, because that's just such a big additional cost. And again, you need the space for it. So the other option is to have a semi- Freestanding bath, which are definitely coming out on the market. So they're fixed at the back wall, so you don't need to clean behind. And then they do have those lovely, um, I suppose, freestanding edges to them. So they look a little bit more like a freestanding bath than a hob bath does. They're not as expensive, um, but then you don't have those severe cleaning issues. So that would be my second step down. But if you're really not going to get a good size bath, I think you're better off just having a hob.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And I think. It's just, um, it's really interesting to watch. Like whenever I've had to choose a bath, I've always sat in it in the showroom to see how, how much I can stretch out my feet. And I see people choose baths, like desperate to have a bath, end up choosing a shorter one, and they'll never be able to stretch out their legs in it and um, all sort of be able to relax and get their shoulders under the water. And so it's really a case, you know, I had a colleague who knew that she couldn't fit a, bath, a full-size bath into her ensuite, So she ended up doing a Japanese bath where you know you actually sit upright but you're sitting in full water so that she could still get that bathing experience so there's always a workaround it's really you know and I have seen freestanding baths that pull out you know that they keep the floor waist connected but they can sort of pivot on the spot so that people can clean around them that's the other thing too is a lot of people don't think about where is the tap going to go and they'll pick a freestanding bath and they'll have they'll want a wall-mounted tap but the spout won't be long enough and it'll just they'll turn the tap on and it'll just spray all over the inside face of the bath and splash everywhere every time you turn the tap on or they choose a bath that has a floor waste like it has a waste at one end so what happens is if two of you ever have a bath together if it's you and your partner want to have a bath together one of you has to sit on the plug and <laughs> it's just not pleasant so it's this thing of like are you choosing a bath for your family bathroom that the kids are going to be in and it's just for this period of time in your life is that bath going to be about you having you know to be a half an hour chill out on a Sunday afternoon with a cup of tea or a, and a good book or a glass of wine, you know, really thinking about how that bath's going to get used, which bathroom does it go into then? And do you really, I'm like I'm with you, you think about those freestanding baths, you have to tile the floor, the walls behind them, you know, they do end up being so much more expensive. And what I'm seeing a lot of people do Is they're buying these baths online, sometimes, often from overseas. These, you know, and sometimes they're like stone baths that are getting brought over on containers. They don't understand that the builder needs the bath at frame stage. And the bath is – because they've timed it to get the bath there for when a fit-out's happening, the bath is still on its way or the bath arrives – I saw somebody recently post and there were all these crack marks in around where the waste was and it's like, well, it's not like you can get a, walk into, into a showroom and go, okay, I need another one on the – you know, now. So this whole kind of desire to achieve this luxurious look but at a budget price and you're buying from less reputable sources or, you know, buying from long places that are a long way away – yeah, it's just it's just a recipe for disaster. And I think that, you know, baths baths in hobs were just su- the standard thing that everybody did and there were some really beautiful shapes and things like that um, that you could choose from. And we just seem to have really moved away from it. And I I keep encouraging everybody to go back to a bath in a hob. I think well, they're a much better
1: So response. do I. So do I. But, look, I, I still think, though, if you've got the space for a freestanding bath, they look amazing, um, you know, particularly when you've got a feature wall behind it. They can add an amazing aesthetic, but if you're just trying to squeeze it in like a square peg in a round hole because you have to have a freestanding bath, you're going to compromise your look. It's just going to be a complete waste. Definitely.
0: Definitely. All right. Now there's lots of other fixtures that have to go into a bathroom. So we've got tapware. Uh, we've got towel rails, toilet roll holders, towel rings, handles on cupboards. We've got the vanity unit itself. Um, we might have a soap shelf if somebody doesn't want to do an, a niche. Um, what, do you, what do you recommend people need to consider when they're selecting all of these items? The first one is that they just remember they have to, I suppose. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yeah.
1: So I suppose the the first thing is it all needs to be consistent. So your cabinetry handles, your tapware, your shower, um, all your accessories, your towel rails, all that sort of stuff, you need to choose the same colour. Now, that's not to say that you need to have them all from the same brand because I certainly mix and match. Colour is important, and I'd say stay away from all the trend colours. Stay away from the enamels because, yes, they were huge in the uh, the 70s and they're making a big comeback, but they will date. Um, and stay away from your rose golds and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's one. Secondly, I want mean, you stick with your classics, so chrome. And, look, I really think that black is going to be the new classic. It's really not going anywhere fast, so you could probably – we're, we're, the jury's still out, but I think we can almost safely say that the, that black is going Stuck to be the, long new, <laughs> yeah, it's the new classic. Keep the shape the same. So, for example, if you've got a square-looking tap, then make sure that your towel rail and your hand towel rail and so forth also has a square-looking shape. And this is where I mean that you don't necessarily have to have it all from the same brand and you won't necessarily Have them all possible from the same brand anyway, but they need to be the same sort of shape. Um, If you've got really square tapware, then you may want to aim for a shower that's got a square look to it as well. And conversely, the other way. Um, If you've got – and and the severe square is really uh, not very timeless, so I sort of always go for something that's soft square or more – got a few more rounded edges. It's a little bit less severe anyway. It's like the super square basins that were big – Ten years ago, it's sort of more the softer, softer curves that we're that we're seeing now. So uh, that would be my thing: av- avoid the very severe square, but just make sure that everything's matching.
0: Fantastic, and I think the big thing is just to make sure that you actually consider all these things, and that you put them on drawings. You position them all so that you, because this is, you know, for for a towel rail to be decently supported, there needs to be timber framing in the wall behind the tiles to fix it to. And I see a lot of homeowners really disappointed that they haven't considered where the towel rails might go. Um, they haven't provided space for it. You know, you step out of the shower and you've got to walk right across the other side of the bathroom to a hook on the back of the door. The towel never dries properly. All of those kinds of things and if you're planning on putting heated towel rails in you're gonna obviously need to wire them up so it's really a case of mapping all of those selections out at the design stage so that you know that they're included and uh, thought about
1: so it should definitely be in the working drawings on all your elevations Um, but I also go the step further and say on the working drawings to be confirmed on placement to be confirmed on site and the reason I do that is it's great to see it on an elevation but when you're actually in that space And, look, I know when I was building my house, I actually sat on the loo and went, yeah, I want the towel roller right here. And it might have just been 10 centimetres different to the drawing, but it meant I could have it exactly where I wanted it. And when you come out of the shower, yes, it's on the drawing, but, yeah, I actually want it 10 centimetres the other way. So I would always confirm that on site. Obviously, with Project Homes, it's a lot more difficult to get on site, um, but at least you know you're having it exactly where you want it and you need to do it at frame stage so the noggins are there.
0: Yeah. And I think that point about putting in the drawings, because the drawings form part of your contract. If you have a note that says, please confirm on site, you know, I, ha- I saw a homeowner really disappointed that she was on site at the time when the electrician and the builder were positioning her electric towel roll and they didn't speak to her. They didn't bother to ask her and they just positioned it and any towels that were on it were going to completely cover the toilet roll holder. And of course, keep the toilet roll the toilet paper damp because the towels would uh, conduct water into them so it's um it's that thing of they don't have to check with you unless contractually you've obligated them to and that's why the drawing putting it on the drawings is a really good point so Francis thank you so much for all of that wisdom Welcome. it's uh yeah bathrooms 101 Cheers. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> thank you I hope that you enjoyed that discussion on bathrooms and that you found it super helpful for your interior selections when it comes to your wet areas make sure you head to the show notes you can grab links links and resources there mentioned in this episode and you can also find how to get in touch with Frances and White Pebble Interiors and check out her book Your Forever Home. You'll also find a link to learn more about Interior Design 101 which is the self-study online program that will help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. Inside Interior Design 101, Frances and I also talk about your bathroom joinery, we talk about tiling and i give you more information on how to uh, work through different material choices if you're actually seeking to do a groutless bathroom. I know a lot of homeowners really want to avoid grout completely so there's some resources inside Interior Design 101 to help you with that and I've also included a lesson on bathroom design layout so I actually take you through what you need to think about when you're laying out your bathrooms uh, and your other wet areas and all the dimensions that you need to know about how to size things and arrange things in your bathroom, your powder room and your ensuite. Now in a couple of episodes time I'm actually going to be bringing you an amazing guest. It's Daniela Santilli, who is the bathroom marketing leader for Reese Plumbing. And she's got some brilliant knowledge and advice to share about all your bathroom fixtures. So be sure to tune in for that. Next episode, however, I'm going to be talking with Claire Leroy of The Little Design Corner about SketchUp and how you can use this fantastic tool to design and visualize your home and its interiors in three dimensions. It's actually really sophisticated and free software, but it's easy to learn and it's brilliant for homeowners who are really wanting to dive into their design process uh, at a level that's above just a standard app. So make sure you tune in for next week because that's going to be a fantastic episode. As always, huge gratitude to you. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.